Well, a few years ago, Lori and I were watching TV together and we were flipping through channels back when you used to do that sort of thing. Don't know if you do that anymore. But uh, back then we flipped through channels looking for something to watch. And on this particular evening, we came across a concert that was on uh, the station PBS. And you know, public broadcasting station, whatever that PBS means. They, they put on these concerts and then they get people to call in to support them. But we really liked this concert. And it was a group of younger men singing and they really sang well. And they sang with harmony. And I love harmony. So we pushed the record button so we could go back and watch this again and again along with the you know, fundraising segment in the middle. But uh, we loved it and soon discovered that they were a little-known group called Celtic Thunder. And we liked their music so much that we looked up to see if there was going to be any times they were going to be in Edmonton. And we were delighted to find out that they were coming. And they came to the Jubilee Auditorium. So we got tickets for the entire family because at that point our kids were too young to say no to whatever we were doing and secondly to criticize their parents music choices they were all they still had to affirm our music choices but we took everyone to this concert and really enjoyed it and we went back a few times to see Celtic Thunder this wonderful group and we left inspired and joyful and appreciative but I don't think our lives dramatically changed because of Celtic Thunder I don't think we came out of the concert and said, you know, I'm going to take my life in a different direction because of this concert that I have just attended. We went to the concert, we enjoyed it, and eventually kind of forgot about it, went on with our daily lives. And that's fine because that's what concerts are for, to go and to enjoy and appreciate some some talent and some good music, and then to go back to life. And we do the same thing maybe with movies. We go to a movie, we'll watch a movie, and we, we all rate it, don't we? We all say, oh, that was good or that wasn't good. But if it was good, we enjoy it. And maybe we talk about it a little bit, and then we go back to our lives. That's what you do with movies and concerts. But is it okay to take the same approach when you attend church and come to a worship service? To, to come as a, as a concert goer? maybe, rather than a congregant. And if you come as a concert goer, your primary uh, goal in going is to get some inspiration. Take note of the talent. Maybe talk later, oh, I appreciated uh, the piano or the guitar or the drums or, or something that the speaker said, and then forget about it. Is it a problem to come to a church or a worship service as a concert goer instead of a congregant? And today we're going to look at a very short passage in the book of Ezekiel that raises this question. And we're going to learn what God thinks about this and also the potential impact of a concert-going mentality on our spiritual lives when it comes to connecting to God in a worship service. So if you have a Bible today, please find Ezekiel 33 or I've included all the text on this little insert if you have a bulletin here and it's there. And we're just going to read four verses. Ezekiel 33, verses 30 to 33. And it says simply this. This is the Lord talking. He's talking to Ezekiel and he says, As for you, son of man, your people who talk together 
about you by the walls and at the doors of the houses, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as people come and they sit before you as my people and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act, their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. So we looked at the verses prior to this passage last week. And in verses 21 and 22, a messenger, a straggler arrives to bring Ezekiel some news. And the news is Jerusalem has been struck down or has fallen. The capital city of the Israelites has been captured by the Babylonians. They have breached the walls. They went into the city. They took captive all the wealthy and the royal class. They knocked down the walls and they burned the city down, including God's temple. Now, this was, of course, significant for the Jewish exiles who lived in Babylon because it was their homeland and their capital city. But it was even more significant for Ezekiel because he had been prophesying that this would happen and no one believed him. No one thought that the Lord would allow the capital city, Jerusalem, and the temple to fall and to be destroyed. So, Ezekiel's reputation is going to skyrocket as a true prophet of God. And then we looked last week at verses 23 to 29, where the Lord revealed to Ezekiel what the survivors in the ruins of Jerusalem and the land of Israel were saying to each other. And they were saying basically, well... Wealthy class is gone. The royal class is gone. We're going to inherit everything then. And this was terrible news for the exiles because they still had land back or in Jerusalem or around Jerusalem. And the Lord reveals to Ezekiel that that was not going to happen because the survivors were not living righteous lives. They were mistreating each other. Violence was spreading through the land just as it had been before. And so the Lord would bring judgment upon them too. And that was good news for the exiles because their property was still going to be theirs in some way. But now in verses 30 to 33, the Lord continues and talks about what the exiles were thinking, the people who lived around Ezekiel. And here we discover what they're talking about. And the text tells us that they are talking about Ezekiel when they're by the walls, when they're by their doorways, in everyday conversation, they're talking about Ezekiel. And look, his, his prophecy came true. He's a, he's a true prophet of God. And they're amazed at his predictive ability, but they not only talk about him, they want to go hear more. Come, let us hear the word of the Lord. Well, well this is tremendous. The messenger's news has triggered a hunger to hear 
the word of the Lord and they don't just say they want to hear a word. They go to hear a word from Ezekiel. So in verse 31, they come to him. They sit before him. They hear what he says. And doesn't this look like a dream situation for this prophet? He's finally experiencing success in ministry. But then comes the middle of verse 31. They hear what you say, but they will not do it. Oh, well, is that a problem? Is that really a big deal? At least they're hearing the word of the Lord. End of verse 31. For with lustful talk in their mouths, they act. Their heart is set on their gain. What's, what's this about lustful talk? Like it never said anything about that before. And then verse 32, and and behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. Well, that's strange. What, what, What does he mean? And if you're looking at a different Bible version or translation, like the New International Version, you read that those verses and it can come across even totally differently. This is what verses 31 and 32 say in the New International Version, with their mouths they express devotion, but their hearts are greedy for unjust gain. Indeed, to them you are nothing more than one who sings love songs with a beautiful voice and plays an instrument well, for they hear your words but do not put them into practice. So why does this, this version, the ESV, put in lustful there? Well, what it's trying to do is show us that God is revealing that the talk that the people have is lustful talk, And the picture that he's painting of Ezekiel of singing lustful songs is the same word. Lustful talk, lustful songs. Not that Ezekiel actually does this. He's he's drawing a comparison. And lust here is not talking about sex, which we immediately think of. It's talking about a desire. They have a deep desire for satisfaction. And they see that in what Ezekiel is doing, they will have that satisfaction met so so what is their deep desire and I and I think it is that they're okay that they're going to be okay that they can just finally get on with their lives and not worry about what they're happening with their property back in Israel they can try to make this living here in Babylon go on how they're living and 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 not do anything else different including addressing the fact that they're greedy we're, we're going to be okay. And Ezekiel's now preaching good news. So let's go hear some more good news. Not that we're going to act on it in any way. So they have a lust for undisturbed lives. They want to hear this good news. They're not going to do anything about it. And so if I could summarize this little paragraph, it's simply the Ezekiel's hear the Lord's word, or the exiles hear the Lord's words through Ezekiel but they do not do what it says or what he says. And look at how the Lord responds to this in verse 33. He says, when this comes and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. So whatever this is in that verse, you can sense the Lord's disapproval of this approach of I'm just going to go and hear the word, but I'm not going to do anything with it. So we might say, well, so what? So what if the crowd trees, treats Ezekiel like a pop star and not a prophet? At least they're, they're hearing his word, hearing God's word. But 
the Bible is pretty consistent in warning us about this. Hearing but not doing. So here's one example. Uh, Jesus, Matthew 7, verses 26 and 27. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So, so Jesus has just completed the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew 5 to 7, which is tremendous teaching on everyday life. And lots of people heard this message, but that doesn't mean they acted on it or did anything with it. And Jesus warns that if we don't put his words into practice, our lives rest on a flimsy foundation. Or consider James 1.22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if we only hear the word and we don't act it, we engage in, act on it, we engage in self-deception. Oh, I went to hear God's word today. I'm good with God. Oh, I went to church today. I heard a message. Yeah, that's good. I'm done. But, but if we don't act on what it says, we can deceive ourselves into thinking, you know, we're okay and we're, we're okay with God. I heard, I heard a message. And the exiles were self-deceived into thinking that just hearing God's word was enough to keep them right with God. But instead it confirmed and fed their lustful desire to drive and drove them away from God. So those who hear God's word and don't act on it risk life devastation and self-deception but listen to the promises that come from hearing God's word and acting on it so Jesus again in the same passage Matthew 7 verses 24 and 25 everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So acting on Jesus' words provides a solid foundation for life. Or, or Deuteronomy 4 verse 1. And now, O Israel, listen to the statutes and the rules that I'm teaching you. And do them. That you may live and go in and take possession of the land that the Lord, the God of your fathers, is giving you. Doing God's words brings God's blessing. Or Mark 4.20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit, 30-fold and 60-fold. So following God's word enables us to be fruitful in our lives. Or Romans 2.13, for it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. So those who actually act on God's word receive assurance of their salvation. If you have a desire to follow and actually act on God's word, that indicates that you are truly one of his. Or 1 John 3.18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So those who hear God's word and act on it, receive life foundation. They receive blessing and all these other things. And since God's word brings life and hope, we must move from just hearing it to acting upon it. And, and I need to hear that message. I was thinking about this as I was preparing this week. I remember times when I would be into like scripture memorization 
And especially as a younger kid, we had these scripture memorization clubs or whatever. And sometimes I'd be so focused on memorizing the verse, I'd totally forget about living out the verse. I just wanted to win a competition. So that's like hearing the word, internalizing it, but not doing anything with it. Or sometimes now I feel inspired or stimulated or excited about some message I hear, some book that I read, um, some post that I've read, some class that I've attended, and then I don't do anything with what I've heard, with what this truth reveals or, or what I need to do with my life. I don't act. So how can we move from just hearing to doing God's word? And I have four ways for you here. First, if you're not already having a daily time with the Lord, here's a simple way to do it. And I've listed this all on, on the insert for you right here so that you can follow along, take this home and use it. If you don't already have a daily time with the Lord, here's a simple starting pattern for you. One, establish 15 minutes alone with God. Say that's your goal. And everyone can find 15 minutes in their day. Think about the amount of time you spend scrolling on your phone. Well, just cut out 15 minutes of that time and follow these steps. Pause before the Lord and calm your heart. Thank the Lord for his presence. Ask him to speak to you. Read 10 to 15 Bible verses max, maybe just five. And write down or note something from the passage. What does it say about God or about Jesus? What does it say about life and about my life today? And then pray in response to what you heard or read. And this involves you and me doing something. We're not waiting for a concert date to get inspiration. We're connecting with God every day in our lives. So that's one way to move from just hearing to doing. Uh, uh, say, say during this time you kind of see something or you hear something and you, it, it just really sticks with you. Like, oh, wow, I, I do that in my life. God, God's not pleased with that. I, I got to change. So we can just say, oh, I got to change and then not do anything about it. Or we can act on it. So here's a pattern you might follow for that. Say, um, pray and ask the Lord to change you in this one area. But you're going to focus on it for 90 days. So you write down and find some verses or key points about this area in your life. Maybe on an index card or on your phone. And then you set a reminder in your phone to review this every two days. Every two days, oh, review the index card, review that little list on the phone. Ask and tell others about this focus so they can pray and hold you to account. And then at the end of 90 days, evaluate or 60 days, maybe do, do something this summer. So say, here's an example. I sense the need that God's been speaking to me about. I need to be way more careful in the way I talk and the language that I use. So I do a Bible search, and this, I did this this week. Just I searched up words, mouth, speech. Tons of verses came up, and I picked out these five. Psalm 19.14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Or Psalm 141.3, set a guard, O Lord, over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Or Proverbs 12.18, reckless words pierce like a sword, but the words of the wise bring healing. Or Proverbs 16.24, gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Or Matthew 12.36 and 37, Jesus says, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word 
that they speak for by your words you'll be justified and by your words you'll be condemned. And then say I review that every two days. Lord set a guard over my mouth. Help me my words to be gracious. Help them to be care filled. And you renew your commitment each of those two days to join God and invite him to do this work on your, on your speech or my speech. And then after 90 days, you evaluate, how have I been speaking? And then you've not only heard the word, but you have acted on it. You're doing it. Or, or number three, another way to act on the word is to make an appointment to do what it says. So you hear something from God, you see a command, and you realize, I got to do that. Well, when am I going to do that? We all can make appointments, calendar on our phone. Okay, Tuesday evening, I'm going to make that call to initiate reconciliation with my friend. Or I'm going to own up to some dishonesty with my boss on Monday, tomorrow at 11. Or I'm going to end that subscription to that streaming service that causes me to stumble. Or... I, I should be baptized. I, I sense God. Call. Yep, I'm going to sign up for that class. And we need to recognize that the moment of action is a great spiritual battle. I mean, the devil, the enemy does not want us to be people who actually act on the word that we hear from God. And so in those moments, we need to fight those thoughts that come into our minds. This won't work. It's, it's not that big of a deal. He's overstating it. It's not that serious. Do you think that just those thoughts just come from you? The enemy doesn't want us to act on God's word. So we need to fight and ask for the Lord's strength to persevere and act before the enemy comes and steals away those words of God that have been planted in our hearts. So since God's word brings life and hope, we must move from just hearing it to acting on it. And this is especially true when we go through hard times. You know, for some of us, we need to hear this today because we've kind of been slacking off in our Christian lives. And others of you are just barely surviving. And you're thinking, oh, well, yeah, those people who have been slacking off need this. I just need to survive. But even when we're surviving, we actually need to not only hear the word, but act on it. So number four, even in the storm, not only hear God's word, but act on it. Like Psalm 46, 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Hmm. So I'm in the midst of all kinds of trouble right now. But this word tells me God is a very present help. Therefore, I need not fear. That's acting on the word. Uh, Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, or I have all I need. So I'm in this situation right now, I don't know what to do, but the Lord is my shepherd and he promises to provide all I need, so even though I'm uncomfortable, I'm going to trust that he will provide what I need when I need it. Or Psalm 23, 6, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Would people say that uh, you're maybe a miserable and complaining person? Or is, is there too much complaining going on in your life? 
Well, if you want to address that, if you want to deal with that, here's, here's a verse. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So no matter what happens in my day, at the end of the day I say, how have you shown goodness and mercy to me today, Lord? And you can always find stuff. And the Lord can transform us from miserable and complaining to joyful and grateful. Or how about anxiety? Anyone struggle with anxiety? Philippians 4, verses 5 to 7. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So we're feeling that anxiety. We've got something before us that's troubling us. And its command here is don't be anxious about anything. Well, how do we, how do, we do that? We come to the Lord with prayer, with our prayers, with our concerns, and thanksgiving. Okay, Lord, you know this situation is stressing me out, but also I know that you're bigger than this situation. And so I lift this situation to you, and you're, and you're bigger and you're bigger, and you're vastly greater than all of this. And this promise is that when we do that and we come to the Lord, that somehow his peace is going to descend upon us. And it's going to stand guard over our hearts and our minds, no matter what we're facing. The peace of God, which transcends all understanding. So many of you have been in situations which have been very difficult, and you experience this incredible peace, which comes from God, beyond human understanding, as his peace stands guard. And this, then, is hearing the word and doing it. Or, lastly, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So that's good news. God loved the world and gave his only son. That's the good news. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. We can have everlasting life. That's good news too. Well, what? I've just heard that word. No, you have to act on it. Whoever believes in him will not perish. And in this context, belief is not just mental assent. Oh, yeah, I believe, I believe that. No, it's like I believe that Jesus is who he said he was. I believe that he is son of God. That my entire life needs to come under his. That's belief in this context. Total life commitment. So it's a big decision. But in following that, in acting on it, we receive this gift of eternal life. Being hearers of the word and doers. And so we started today by asking, you know, is there a problem with just coming to church as a concert goer rather than a congregant? And the answer is yes. Whenever we come to God, such approach can lead to life, devastation. Life on a flimsy foundation, self-deception. But acting on God's word, doing it, taking the next step brings all these blessings and closeness to God.
And so today, as we close, I'd like to ask you, what is God saying to you? What word has he given to you that you need to act on? And Lord, as we, as we think about that, we come to you and I want to lift everyone here who is present and watching online today to you and you know our needs. And, and you are intimately aware, you care deeply about each of us and you want the best for everyone. And you are good and what you want for us is for our good. So I pray that you would continue to speak to us through your word, through others, in our spirits. And maybe there's some here today, Lord, who have heard your word a while ago or recently, and they know that this is something that you've been pushing, but they just put it off. And I pray you'd give them courage to overcome the enemy's distraction and discouragement to act on that word today, whatever that is. And, and some of us, Lord, we have been going down the path because we've got hard things going on in our lives. We've been going down the path of despair and giving up and forgetting all the promises in Scripture and the fact of your loving presence as we go through trouble. So we, we confess that and we pray for your strength to not fear, to not be anxious, to live in the peace of God. And Lord, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, but maybe for the first time today has heard your word, heard your word that whoever believes will have ever asked in life, will you empower them and draw them to yourself so they can believe today and turn their life over completely to you to begin the wonderful journey of life, walking with you through the rest of our lives and into eternity. We thank you, Lord, for your word, which comes from you and is for our good. And grow us and help us to move from being only hearers to doers of your word. Amen.